Hi guys, my name is Megan. I just wanted to take a second to say welcome to my channel, Murders and Mysteries with Megan. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for joining me today. I'm honored that you're here today and I hope that maybe we can cover a lot of these cases together. I would love to hear your thoughts. And are there any you know, cases that you would like to hear about that you'd like for me to cover? Or, and what are your thoughts about this one? Anyways, before we get started, I also wanted to make a quick disclaimer that, you know, some of the cases that I will cover on my channel are not suitable for younger audiences simply because there are a lot of gruesome details, um, especially in the true crime category that we're going with. Today's case is just going to be a little short one today. However, I wanted to do this case because I grew up in Western North Carolina, so I wanted to cover something that was kind of local, you know, to where I'm from. This case actually took place um, not far from here in a place called Chapel Hill at the University of North Carolina. The case that we're going to talk about is about a woman. She was a 21-year-old transfer student named Sue Ellen Evans. She actually was majoring in economics and was originally from Mooresville, North Carolina. She'd come over to the University of North Carolina to take on some summer classes and get ahead in her studies just a little bit before the fall classes started up again. So as she was finishing these classes up on July 30th, around 12.30 p.m. is when the murder occurred. Before that, the day started out like any other day. Sue Ellen decided, hey, let's get up. Let's get ready for classes. I have to talk to my professor. I have to get packed, you know, so that I can go back home after my classes end. These are the things that were going through her mind. So this was Sue Ellen's plan. She wanted to go ahead, go to her classes. She had to meet with her professor. And then it was back to the dorm to pack and head home for the weekend to Mooresville. So she goes through her classes. Everything's going well. And she's talked to her professor. Now it's time to head back to the dorm to get packed, to head back home and see her family. So around 12.30 p.m., she takes a shortcut through Coker Arboretum. As she's walking through the Arboretum, you know, the Arboretum doesn't look the same then in 1965 as it does today in the 2020s. Back then, there was a lot of greenery. There were a lot of bushes. There was a lot of places to hide, so to speak. And that's exactly what her attacker did on that day. She took this shortcut through Coker Arboretum to head back to her dormitory. She stayed in Cobb Dorm. And so she was heading back to the Cobb Dorm at 1230, cutting through Coker Arboretum like she had done many other times that other students had done. This was a well-traveled shortcut. So she decides to take that way. As she's walking through, she comes up on Raleigh Street exit, right in front of McIver Hall. As she gets there, a male assailant jumps from behind the bushes, grabs her, and proceeds to attack her. Sue Ellen being the woman that she was, she was from a small town. She wasn't used to situations like this you know she was the type of girl that if she met a stranger on the street she'd say hey how are you doing I hope you're doing great today have a wonderful day you know smile wave that was the type of person that she was of course you know after the assailant had jumped out and she realized this this wasn't a friendly person this isn't somebody that you know I want to spend some time around. I want to get the heck out of here as many means as possible. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to scream. You know, so that's what she did. Llewellyn started screaming. 
And at this time, people heard her screaming because like I said, this was a well-known area. This is, people walked through here all the time and there were exits all along the Arboretum. And so it was, you know, this is where things get a little hazy because reports say that, okay, well, it was two nuns that found her, you know, after the attack. It was some of her um, colleagues, you know, in school with her that, and her peers that found her. Um, there's always all these disputing reports about who actually found her first. Whoever found her, they all said what they heard was, he tried to rape me. I think I'm going to faint. She didn't realize she'd been hurt. It was later actually revealed that she had been stabbed in the heart and in the throat before she fainted and died. Those were actually her last words was, I think I'm going to faint after saying that he had tried to rape her. So this is awful. The girl was in such shock. She didn't even realize what was happening or going on other than she just felt faint and she was going to pass out. But according to the police chief, W.D. Blake, um, had stated that it looked like it was a type of switchblade, um, approximately four to six inches in length. So at this point, they're questioning everybody. As the police are going around and asking all of these people, there are two potential suspect descriptions that come up. The first one is, you know, somebody had said that they saw the janitor there on campus leaving Coker Arboretum around the same time that Sue Ellen was attacked. It was an African male that worked there, and after the police officers questioned him, they looked him over, there were no defensive wounds, nothing to indicate that it was him at all, so they let him go. The next description of a suspect that they had was of a man approximately in his 50s with red hair. They said that they saw him coming out of the Arboretum nearby with blood on his clothes. Sounds obvious, right? Like, duh. You see somebody with blood on your on their clothes fleeing the scene around an attack? You might want to check off on it. So, of course, they got as much description as they possibly could. The only thing they could provide was 50s, red hair, drove off in a 1961 to 62 Rambler. That's it. Of course, that wasn't enough to really go on, so they were never able to find the suspect and question him. So, that person was never confirmed who that was. Despite having the different suspects, despite talking to different, you know, people on campus to find out if maybe they'd heard anything, seen anything suspicious that day, they ended up following a ton of leads, which we'll get to, you know, later on the actual amount that they covered. But neither one of these initial suspects actually panned out. So what a lot of the students at the university decided to do, because there weren't a lot of answers, there wasn't a lot for things for the police officers to go by, the university students came together and said, okay, look, anybody that has any information on this, we'll give you a reward. Like, we want to catch this guy. We want to find out who this is. So they come up and they put together $1,300. Now, back in 1965, that equivalent is around ten dollars to $11,000 today's time. So this is quite a lot of money that college students came up with on their own to try to get some answers. Another thing that they did is there were a lot of 
the guys on campus, there were reportedly over 200 guys that came together shoulder to shoulder and walked through the Arboretum to try to see if they could find any evidence, find the weapon, anything that would bring some answers or potentially shed some light for the police officers. Who did this to her? And what brought about this attack? You know, was it somebody that she knew? Was this some random Joe on the side of the street that decided to attack her just to get his jollies off, so to speak. You know, this is, these are the things they were trying to figure out and what was going on. And fortunately, despite the effort of the university students, there was no evidence found. There wasn't any solid leads that potentially led to answers for the family. So even to this day, it, I think in 1997 was the last time that they really had any kind of leads that they tried to follow up on. And there still have not been answers as of that point, 30 years after and still no answers. Police officers actually questioned approximately 100 different people that were potential suspects in this case. They followed over 200 different leads trying to find some answers, trying to find out what was going on. Unfortunately, up to this day, this horrendous crime of a young woman, 21 years old, in college, just going back to her dorm to pack to go home after summer classes. This woman was murdered horrendously and no answers were ever found. So that's all we've got. That's all we've got at this point. So what do you guys think? You know, what are your opinions on this? Do you think that it was somebody that she knew? Do you think this was some random Joe off the side of the street that came in and attacked her? Do you think there's more to this story that we're missing and that maybe some people are hiding? It was great to have you guys, and I look forward to seeing you again. And until next time on Mystery Lovers, bye.